remember I had to make a conscious decision. And this is the decision that I think most artists have to make. You have to shape what you believe in your career. Part inspiration, part education, the whole artist with Courtney Rue. Be your best you. Welcome to The Whole Artist with Courtney Rue, conversations with artists about acting, purpose, and the journey to finding wholeness. Hey, I'm so excited to have Marlene Barrett here today. She plays the beloved charge nurse Maggie Lockwood in NBC's Chicago Med. Recently, her role earned her a NAMIC Vision Award nomination for Best Performance in a Drama. Before starring in Mad, Barrett was known for playing Nerese Campbell on HBO's The Wire. She was also on NBC's Kings, the popular FX series Damages, and John Ridley's ABC series American Crime. Barrett's feature credits include Hitch with Will Smith, After Everything with Marissa Tomei, and The Indie Quest for director Santiago Rizzo. Barrett executive produced and starred in the Oscar-nominated short film Night Call, which went on to earn 40 awards. After directing more than 20 regional theater productions in New York, Barrett made her directorial film debut with Himerican, a short film she also wrote and produced. The film had its premiere at the Cannes International Pan-African Film Festival in October 2020. Barrett, who is Haitian-American, was born in Brooklyn, New York, and grew up in Montreal, Canada. She currently divides her time between Chicago and L.A. and is happily married to Gavin Barrett. And they have a podcast coming out called Pancakes for Dinner. Check it out. Coming from a family of doctors, Barrett promised her parents she would get a nursing degree before pursuing an acting career. A registered nurse, Barrett now has the honor and pleasure of playing one on TV. Marlene is here to shed some light on building relationships on set. We talk about our relationship, how it's grown over the years, her relationship with Dick Wolf and the Wolf Pack, how she turned a recurring role into a series regular role without even auditioning for it. What? I wanted to have Marlene on because she really helped me in the first few seasons of Chicago Med. She helped me feel welcomed, like I belong there, and really acted like a friend to me right away. We actually got to work together on her film Himerican. She called me up when we were on hiatus. I was actually in Italy with my husband and asked me to play the role of the teacher in the film. And luckily, it started right after I got home. So I flew to Chicago, went home, got changed, drove to set, did a table read, and then went home and slept for a very long time. But that happened because Marlene and I were both conscious about creating a relationship with each other on and off set. She is an outstanding actor, director, teacher, and I'm so excited to share her with you today. Here she is, Marlene Barrett. So you're back to work. How is it? I'm back to work. It's, it's you know, it's, what he calls it? A new reality, a new, I just new normal. call it a glitch in the matrix. Yes. Yes. You know, I feel like Trinity, who's just discovered that I don't want to take that pill anymore. Oh my God. But I'll wear the mask until we all choose to take the pill. Um, so it's it's one of those where you're dealing with something different, but you know, you, you got to deal with it. Uh, yeah. We've had a couple of cases. We had one shutdown that lasted approximately two weeks. I mean, you know about that. I think we're dealing with it well. I think NBC is doing the best they can and the show must go on. At some point, you know, I was saying this one day on set, I think the CDC and uh, Big Farm are trying to figure it out as fast as possible. I think everyone was sucker punched by this event that happened last March. So we're just learning how to deal with this situation. But enough about coronavirus. 
I want to talk about relationships today. And because I just really feel like since the beginning, you've done such a great job making me feel comfortable on set and letting me know that I am welcome and that I belong there. I think that is purposeful on your end. And Mm. I just want to like share some stories and talk about it from your end too. Does that sound true? Because we've never talked about it. We've just lived it, right? Right. Yeah. So, I mean, so, I don't really think about it. If you no. if you ask me personally, I never think about our relationship. I kind of just live it. So it's interesting to just slow down and just see how we connected. I like that. Yeah. Okay. I remember one of the first times that I met you on set, we were waiting for the next shot and mm-hmm. you just started talking to me about what I like to do. And I mentioned something about, I would love to actually do this is like episode one that I'm on of Chicago Med. Right. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I would love to be like an animated character and a voiceover. And you were like, why? And I was like, I just feel like I'm a better voiceover actor than an on-camera actor. And you kind of shot me this look like, what are you talking about? You're on a network Mm -hmm. TV show. Like, why are you saying things like that? Be more confident. You know, that was like the look that you gave me that I was like, okay. (laughs) Well, wow. I remember that moment. I remember you're being so fluid with the language. Your natural instincts were just so on point and there's nothing we could have taught you about that. That's just an understanding of the whole process. The only person that didn't know it was you. (laughs) So... (laughs) So, uh, I had so to work you, on that. And that's, a, a, that's funny because you keep on getting reinvited. And I'm like, at some point, it's just going to have to become home, don't you think? The reinvitation kind of means like you're part of the fam. Right. And I don't know. I just think sometimes when you are going about life, we forget that people are human beings. And it's something that I've always put forward as a conscious effort. I want to get to know people. You're quite the miracle because. I mean, I've gotten to know you in the past five years Mm -hmm. and it's a pretty incredible relationship. We've spent some time. I've gotten to know your husband and each time it's a little bit more. And I feel like when Mm -hmm. I see you outside of the workspace or I see you outside of the environment where we labor, I'm getting to know you and I can't replicate that time and space in history or in the history of my life. So. I really like to slow down and meet people. And there's a window for that. You know, when something's new, it's a specific window and you can't make something new over again. Definitely. I mean, yeah, one of the first times I met you, you were leaving set and you were like, hey, give me your phone and put your phone number in my phone. You know, I came home and I was like, Scott, like Marlene, the, the woman who plays Maggie, she gave me her phone number. Like, I don't know. I just like, obviously I had a lot of growing to do in my confidence of being, like you said, like family on the set. Because right, right. I just thought of myself as this like lowly co-star and you were this series regular and I had heard stories about, they tell background actors not to talk to the actors. Okay. So in my very first time, on set on Chicago Fire, I was sitting alone at lunch because I knew no one and the background actors were told not to talk to me. That I think solidified in my head, like you don't belong. And And it feels like there's a hierarchy and that's a tricky, that's a tricky thing because I don't think there is a hierarchy. I think it was first established and then turned into something different. But I think the system was established in order to allow people to concentrate to allow people to get into their characters and build things and and really be able to focus and 
each artist has a different way of focusing. And I think along the years, things developed and it became this hierarchical system or a star quality. But the truth is when you're working with people who are building scenes with you or creating a moment with you, that's not something you can do alone. So Absolutely. the tricky thing for Maggie as a character was she ran the ED. And the ED is a series of relationships. If you've ever been in a hospital, it's a series of relationships. It's a family structure that mm -hmm. brings people into its fold and helps them in the most intensified moment in their life where they're ill or hurt. So to simulate something like that, when you study the craft of acting, you need to simulate the embrace of the patient that comes in. You need to feel that the structure was going to invite people in. And I think when I started building the background of this character and I saw Maggie who was without a family building this surrogate family in the ED. Yeah. So it's just something that I did. And I remember the first time we called out your name. I didn't ask permission to do that. You just said to me, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to use your name. I'm going to yeah. call your name. <laughs> yeah. Because I shadowed a lot of charge nurses to be able to do this character. One of the charge nurses, her name was Gloria, and she works with Dr. Dennis, who's also our consulting producer who works at Cook County. And I watched his relationship with Gloria. Gloria is quite possibly, you could tell she could have been a doctor. She could have been the head of trauma, the head of anything. She had syringes in her mouth when a person came in. I remember coming in and watching her deal with a person who had had a leg almost ripped open like a chicken wing by a truck. And Dr. Dennis threw her a bunch of prescription and it was about nine syringes. She had five in her mouth. She had two in each hand and she came in and she was still pointing to people what to do. This is extraordinary. You could see that her skill set surpassed everything. And in the amount of immense pressure, she moved smoothly and everybody trusted her. And it wasn't a trust because of the technique. It was a trust because of her countenance, her presence, the way she carried herself. That's what I wanted to replicate. And this is outside of the fact that I do belong to a family. My actual biological family has a lot of medical professionals in it. And it is something that I've studied too. So it's something I really wanted to embrace. And I think the extended part of it is that it's actually part of my personality. I love people. I really, really do. I love people. I love to get to know their story. I love knowing that this person can bring me closer to an understanding of how to love better in life and connect with life. So, I mean, we've even done New Year's together. Yeah. And that was so much fun. We have zero pictures from that though. I know. And every time <laughs> I just don't understand that. How did um, that happen? I know. The we were so present. <laughs> the outfits. I remember the outfits. Yeah. So it was a good time and I'm enjoying, I mean, we still have a nice journey to go. So. Well, yeah, looking, hopefully. I'm looking. Yeah, no, I really do. <laughs> What Dick is doing is something that I've never seen before. So I'm enjoying the process of really getting to know you. And there's few people that I know that when I walk away from here, I'll be able to say, wow, I developed a friendship. And mm -hmm. if I come into Chicago, I'm, I'm having dinner with Courtney and Scott. We cherish a decade and, and more of incredible labor together. This has to transition into a friendship. Oh, for sure. How has building relationships on set and off set helped you in your career? Not that you do it to help you in your career, but obviously it, it has to have an effect. Right. I never have an agenda about relationships. Relationships are something that are so intimate and so precious to each person. I think one 
when I see that it's reciprocated, it's something that we can both agree on that it's a relationship. But if it's not reciprocated, I can't really call it a relationship. Yeah. I can call it co-laboring, whatever you want to call, you know, co-workers, knowing that the task of doing the job is what we have in common. And that's a form of relationship too. But I think if you ask me about those relationships, I think Chicago Med has one of the best teams. We were spearheaded by Michael Waxman, who, uh, God bless his soul, is just one of the most amazing people I've ever met. I love him. And, and that's through the thick and thin, you know, Michael is one of the people that taught me some tough lessons. I was slated to be a number one on the show. You know, I had to wait for storylines. And these are conversations I had regularly with Michael Pressman. And he had honest conversations with me. Waxman or Pressman? Waxman. Did I say Pressman? Yeah. Oh, well, because he's our current. He's our current. It's confusing. It's the Michael. I mean, if our following showrunners, one more gets named Michael, imagine (laughs) the confusion then. So Michael Waxman was our first showrunner. He's our EP producer, director, who directs most of our episodes. So he becomes like this father figure who's just watching over everybody who's behind the scenes that is helping put the show together and also the production people who are part of the curriculum of shooting the show and then the actors. So he plays Big Papa. And that Big (laughs) Papa figure is having tough conversations with everybody from the people that are cutting the checks for the show to the people who are holding the cameras to the grips that are setting up electricity to the actor that doesn't know what they're doing and to the showrunners who are also writing the show. So he is this general And Michael Pressman is an incredible man to do it right now. But I'm saying that Michael Waxman laid out a foundation that was so central to what carried the show to where it is today that Michael Pressman now is just spearheading something that was laid out as a foundation so easily. So they're spearheading it in a way where they understand relationships well. And I, I say this idea of relationships with them because I started my relationship with the Wolfpack, I want to say in 2003. I was fresh out of school and that was my first job. Law and, and order. Law and order. Law and order was my yeah. first job. The mothership. Like first acting job ever. First acting job on wow. screen. Yes. In the US. Because I've had mm-hmm. other acting jobs and I've had other US acting jobs prior to that, but they were shot in Canada. My first acting job on screen in the US for the US market was Law and Order. It was just an amazing experience. I remember the smoothness of it. And then flash forward, I ended up shooting about seven of them. And everyone across the board had this incredible way of treating people. I remember Mariska Hargitay. I was shooting a scene and I was playing this character, a woman who had been assaulted. And Mariska could see that I was nervous, but she could also see the gold. And I was a rookie (laughs) and I was just so nervous. And the imagery, the backstory I had created was just intense. You know, when you're a young actor, it's hard to focus and get the entire wheel going. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking about the creative imagery, knowing your lines, the atmosphere of a hundred and something people just pretending like, oh, they're not there. Just look, uh, <laughs> right. know how to use the cameras. Oh no. And you know, people accidentally sneezing while you're in the middle of your thought process. And the whole thing just was just so impressive. And I couldn't manage my want to desire to do a great job. So all of that coming together. And Mariska said this thing. We were on take number two, three, but she could see that I was trying to get somewhere and I just needed some support. And Mariska said out loud, everybody, quiet. If you need to sneeze, do anything, I need you to step outside. We're getting something here. And she shut the room. Wow. 
with such authority and kindness, the words used were affirming, but realistic to, hey, we all need this to be great for us to keep on going as a show. And we have a guest yeah. star and we can't do it without guest stars. And whether that affected me or not, um, I remember doing the performance and going, that's how I want to be when I... Yeah. And I think you are. You've taken me aside several times to help me when I'm having a hard day. The whole thing you taught me to do when learning medical jargon to bounce the ball up and down while you're walking around the house. I do that every single time. It helps so much. And you said someone taught that to you when you were starting out. You pay it forward, you know, and I hope that I can pay it forward someday when I'm in your shoes. Oh, that's so awesome. I didn't know that. But yeah, so I specifically studied the Stella Adler technique of acting, which is part of the greater method technique that everyone who studied the Stanislavski and the group theater study of um, acting. And so you, you learn a lot of different tools. Went on to study with the Udo Hagen stuff and Meisner, Morris Karnofsky, Phoebe Brand, and Annie Ocurgrosso and Rondel Dukim just incredible people who study the acting process and tools are learned. Some stick, some don't. The things that are really helpful to you today are the things that help you actually tell the story in a better way and build the best characters. So I love passing that along. And the train of thought is you have to learn how to empty your vessel and teach it also so that you can expand your craft or better understand what other people are using as tools and how they're using it better than you. So passing on that idea of the ball is if anybody listens to this and wants to understand what was the idea and how to better their craft. So once you have your backstory and now you're learning the lines and you understand why your character is saying what your character is saying, in order for the conversation of the lines to sound as natural as possible, you have to account for the physicality that will affect the delivering of the lines. You have to account for that. And it's hard to account for that at home. What you do is you have to create a secondary process to create some form of fluidity in the storytelling. And the way to do that is without you know walking around your house and pacing and just freaking everybody out because you have other roommates. You can just grab a ball, a tennis ball. And as you're saying your lines, you're just throwing the ball up in the air. And I'm talking about short throws. That means throws that are from your waistline all the way to your ear. Short throws that are causing you to focus on the ball, but at the same time with the ability to remember the lines and the sequence by which you're saying the lines. For example, if I had a Shakespeare right now and I say, is Brutus sick? And by home, you would probably say, is Brutus sick? It is it physical to walk, embrace it and suck up the humors of the dead morning. But when you have the ball in your hand, the ball is causing you to look at its motion and at the same time deliver the line. So that will affect the fact that your line will come out, is Brutus sick? And is it physical to walk, embrace and suck up the humors of the dead morning? And your intentionality will change because now you have something else to do, which is how people normally live their lives. You don't live your lives pitching out lines. You live your lives in motion. I also love to teach. When I'm in Chicago, I do teach at uh, Vagabond with Michael. We're not doing it right now because of the virus, but I hope to do one this season. And I mainly like to focus on the usage of the technique of acting and the multicam. So focus first on the technique and then go into multicam. They're short classes. One day I hope to have more time to do the elongated classes, but for now it's short classes where my hope is along with a lot of different actors who I think are doing it to see the marketplace of Chicago become 
a primary marketplace like LA and New York. So this is my way of being a Chicagoan. Chicago. It's a good class. If you can get in, get in her class. Um, Because you really focus on the detail of the scene too. And okay, you're in a car. What color is the car? What kind of car is it? Where'd you get it? What year is it? Like all the little details, which are really helpful to, to backstory, mm-hmm. which, which I encourage all actors to do for you, Courtney, if you have a great backstory to the character, Courtney, everything from why did Courtney become an EMT? How did she get the job on Chicago Med? Is Courtney the character married? And does she have kids? What are her schedules? Um, when she works as the EMT, does she work only for Gaffney Medical Center, which is the hospital in Chicago Med, or does she work for other hospitals? Does she prefer that hospital? What is her relationship with the doctors in there? Has she ever been injured? Has she ever been a victim of something where she had to choose a hospital? Why does it make Chicago Med her favorite hospital? All those things will add so that when you're coming in, it's just going to blossom. It's going to yeah. show in your eyes. Courtney is definitely not married in case the writers want to like Shh. write in some love scenes or whatever. Come on, girl. <laughs> Man, paramedic Courtney has to get a love interest. Uh, has to. Point. Can you imagine? Oh my gosh. I'm glad Maggie so finally did. Yeah, she did. She did. She's married. Well, you had Barry and then now you got your hubs. Yes. Ben. <laughs> ben. Ben. Yes. Who's played by Charles Malik Whitfield. Incredible actor. So and great. he can sing. Gets on my Ooh. nerves. He can sing. Oh, fun fact: we've done a couple of recordings that we can't use because Marlene can't sing, but he's <laughs> phenomenal. Fun fact. But am I am I disappointed? Do I feel like lesser than? No, no. because I think we should have played it anyways. Yeah, so it's pretty bad, Courtney. Being and play instruments on Chicago Med. I'm like just waiting for the day there's a musical episode. Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. This is not Buffy the Vampire. Ah. You know, Grey's Anatomy did a musical. I know. They did a musical episode. And I watched it. And I remember thinking, yes. And then it hit midway through. And I said, they should stop this. Ah. Stop this. (laughs) This whole surgery and singing thing. I don't know. But everybody was really capable singer. There's not a single person in that cast that didn't bust a note. It was oh the God. weirdest thing ever. You're like, did they take singing classes together on the side? And then you do the research and they're all musical theater stars. You had touched on how you got the role of Maggie on Med. And then we kind of went sidetracked. I had worked with the Wolfpack for many years. The Law and Order series was something in the past because when you do a certain amount of Law and Orders, you can't touch it anymore because they can't reinvent you unless you become a series regular. Right. So after seven or eight of them, it was time to accept that I wasn't going to do any more of those. But I did have a secret desire that I prayed over on a regular basis that if I ever committed to a series regular, I would love to work with Dick Wolf. I just love the way he tells stories. Not that I don't want to do other series or other things. My film career is an expanding career, but I knew that I wanted to do this work with Dick. And it's something that I started praying over. And I think it was somewhere in 2014 that I first heard of the Chicago series and I auditioned, I think it was for fire or PD and I was on hold and I didn't get it. So then I auditioned for another PD and I was on hold and I didn't get it. Then I booked one. I booked and it was like a two, three episode arc and I was going to PD and it was amazing. Now we are in 2015 and it's like August and somebody called me back 
which was representation. And they said, so they're expanding it. It seems like this episode arc is going to take you there all the way probably to the holidays. And by then we're going, I have to fly out on Labor Day weekend, like the Sunday before Labor Day. And they're saying it's going to take you several episode arcs and you're coming back in about a couple months. I was like, okay, great. That was two days later. And then the day after that, I get a phone call and my agent said, they're pulling the contract. I said, Mm. darn it. And I said, before you get sad. And I said, yes, they're pulling the contract because they want to offer you a permanent home in (gasps) Chicago Med. And I said, Chicago Med, what's that? (laughs) Well, it hasn't launched yet. And that's how I booked. I never auditioned for Chicago Med. Wow. But I knew that I wanted to work with Dick and I wanted to build something. Crazy enough is I didn't know who the character was. So when I got to Chicago, that's why I say that I started asking questions because I thought it was something else. Meaning I thought, you know, in the beginning, the character wasn't, I think, penciled in to be a series regular. She was a recurring. Okay. I found out about that when I came here. And I had to ask myself a business question. Was I willing to build something with the wolf pack? And that's something I had to realize that I hadn't mentioned in prayer. And I was saying to myself, how was I going to deal with the patience of building something? It was not penciled in to be one of the leads. So what I did was I really focused on what they gave me. And that leads to that first episode when you were there and Michael Waxman. And I remember being there and I had done all the backstory. This is before I found out that she wasn't a series regular. She became a series regular on episode 13 of season one. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yes. Although I worked the same amount of hours, same amount of days yeah. as the series regulars. But it took, if you watch those first episodes, you'll see it says guest starring Marlene Barry. Oh, And I remember I had to make a conscious decision. And this is the decision that I think most artists have to make. You have to shape what you believe in your career. And I understood that I was an actor who had lead potential and I was able to lead, Mm -hmm. but that's not what was before me. With this offer, what was I going to do? And you can weigh in on a lot of things. I know a lot of people who probably would have said no. But one of the things I came to understand was I needed a space to experience a continuum in my work. I needed a space to expand my craft. I needed a space that was safe where I could try different things. I also wanted a place where I could, you know, I'd been married five years. I wanted some stability in my life and it was a wholesome show I was able to build something with my family. Well, and you and your family wanted you to be a nurse, right? Yes. My yes, which was actually quite <laughs> shocking. We didn't know if Maggie was a nurse or a doctor. We didn't okay. know what she was. And my mom. So I did study nursing and I am board certified in Canada, but I never practiced. So amazing. So it was a decision to build a career as an artist. And it takes a lot to pursue an artistic career. And I had to make mm-hmm. a decision. And after carefully considering what I was doing and also discussing it with my husband, we decided that we were going to commit to the series regular and build something with the Wolf Pack. And I think it had a lot to do with not only with our faith, but the confidence we had as a couple that we could do this apart. But it was also mainly anchored in the, the decision that there was a trust I had that this prayer was being answered with Wolf Entertainment, that 
this was the right family structure. There's a business family structure that really marries well with my life. You know, Was the job process similar for The Wire? You know, The Wire is one of the most popular television shows in yeah. history. The Wire was, man, The Wire. The Wire, I was just, I remember I was on my way to the audition and this young lady that was a friend of mine, she was really having a, a tough time and she was late teens and she was crying, crying, crying. And I was hanging out at her apartment with her. No, it was a Bible study. Yes, I was in a Bible study. It was finished and I had to run to audition. And she was going through this difficult time. And I decided that I was going to just take the time and talk to her. And which I did, which made me almost an hour and change late for my audition. Wow. When I got there, Alexa Fogel, who was the casting director, who was also a teacher, left the audition, but her assistant was packing up the stuff. And I had called a couple of times and said, I'm going to run late. And I explained to them what I was going through. And long story short, I got there and they were packing up because I was way too late. And the assistant said, hey, I can unpack it and put you on tape quickly. And she did. I was in this place where I had supported this friend through this process. And I remember specifically, we had done the audition and she asked me, are you happy with this? And I didn't have Alexa who normally would give you directions to start things over. And I remember (laughs) taking the moment to self-examine what I did. And I said to her, no, I got a couple more takes. Let's keep it rolling for a couple of times. And that's what I said. I said to her, oh, let it rolling a couple of times and see if we can get better. And I said, let me change that. So I did it again. And she said, that was amazing. And I said, yeah. She goes, are you happy with that? I said, I got one more in me. And we taped again. And the thing is, David Simon and all those guys, they write, it's almost a Shakespearean urban language that is so rich, so Mm -hmm. complex to get around our tongues that it was new to me. And I laid it out in a more fluid way the third time. And I was like, that's it. That's the one. Can you please edit everything and just send that one out? And she said, for sure. And she just took my directions. And I, I love can't that tell you just you. took control. Exactly. And I think most of the times that's what we do, but we do it from home. Long story short, I auditioned for it and let it go. That's what normally I do. I'll give it my 150 and I let it go. Yeah. And it was six weeks later, I got a phone call and I booked it. And I remember they called me and they said, Marlene, you booked the wire. And I said, the what? <laughs> and I remember went, the wire, what's that? And I couldn't for the life of me remember what it was. They eventually told me, remember the HBO? And I said, that one? Really? <laughs> and I was on an Amtrak heading to Baltimore. Baltimore was such a foreign place to me. And there were so many dudes on that set. I remember Kathy was there, Chris. I remember all these guys that just embraced me, this brotherhood that just embraced me like a little sister. I don't know if it's because of my theater voice or anything like that, but she was supposed to be a lot older. So I ended up with my hair being pinned up in that first episode. And the big thing was I was too young to play her. And they ended up saying, how did she book the job? I remember getting on the spot and they, they were talking over my head and they said, how did she book the job? She's supposed to be in her thirties. Oh and God. I spoke up and said, I could show you what I did. <laughs> I performed and what I did was I lowered my voice to resonate. The audition was, she was hustling in the middle of politics and I lowered it. So I went from where I am right here and Mm -hmm. I took it down over here. And I said, you can do this and that, this and that. And that's it. And when I did, the producer looked at me and said, can you do that? And I said, yeah, sure. That's what I intend on doing. What is it that you love about acting, directing, writing? Does it all fit under one umbrella of like the purpose of Marlene Barrett? 
acting, directing, producing all fits under the umbrella that I love life. I love people. I love everything that has to do with the understanding of the human condition. I think had I not been one of those, I would have been something involved with wholesome living regardless. Yeah. Whether it, I think I would have been a surgeon, honestly. Really? Yes. I think I would have been a surgeon because it would have been about helping people repair things in their body or help them live a longer life or a better life. And my sister's a doctor and everything that has to do with the three-dimensional wholesome living is something that we talk about a lot. She and I, a person heals better physically when their emotions are full of hope and when their spiritual life is just guiding their process, when their spirits are high. So, and we get into these elongated conversations. She's an OBGYN. She deals with joyful slash devastating all at the same time. So I think that's something that would have attracted me. Both my sister did a pre-med degree. So I think I would have done one too, because I really love people. And I think it's because I've been through a lot of different things in my life that have caused me to do a lot of introspective work. And that's part of building stories, you know, and building background stories about these fictional characters. But I always seem to ground my fictionalities behind. Is that a word, fictionalities? If not, I just made up one and it's great. (laughs) I am, I'm notorious for doing that, by the way, because I think in French. So I'm like, fictionalities. Fictionalities? Yeah, fictionalities. I just found that it is a word. Oh, good. Hey. The idea of building something fictional, I always ground it in some form of reality because we're talking about people who have lived on earth, you know, who are living on earth in this planet, unless we are talking about characters that are living in space or in Mars. I like to ground them in something. And I think it's because I love people's stories. I'll get lost listening to a person's story Mm -hmm. and- there's a form of compassion that we have as artists where we are carrying the memory of that person being alive on earth that I love. I think it all comes together. Producing came because I wanted to support people who told stories. Writing came because I wanted to develop how to tell stories. And directing came because I wanted to tell stories. So it's all connected to the same person that actually loves people and loves stories. You know, I've had the joy of accompanying some people in various difficult processes in their life. And I think that has to do with it too. When my friends tell me, oh, my parent is ill or dying of an illness, I've weirdly asked, hey, I'd love to fly home with you and see your parent with you and uh, say hello to a person who's making their journey towards the other side. So I haven't run away from that. So I don't know, life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And speaking of being whole and this podcast is called The Whole Artist. Yeah. This is kind of a crazy business with weird hours and ups and downs emotionally and mentally, physically, everything. So how do you sustain and take care of yourself on like a, a series regular shooting schedule? Wow. We do have an intense schedule. And I think it intensifies over the years because the break in between is normally short. You know, this year was different because everything was put in a major forced hiatus because of the coronavirus. But normally the window between the turnaround between one season and the other, the first five, it was about six weeks. Sometimes yeah. you get eight. During the time off, I like to vacation with my husband. Uh, We don't have kids yet, but that's in the process and in the making, cooking. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I like to take myself through a three-dimensional healing process. 
spiritually, outside of my faith and practicing a regular relationship, I'm a Christian. So there's a lot of prayer, meditation, and reading of the Bible. And that is, you know, just regular life. But I think one of the big things for me is when I disconnect that 10 months from my husband, even though we see each other regularly, disconnect means 14 hour days. I've spent more time on set than I have at home. Right. I work at least five to six days on an eight episode day. So that means you're talking about 75 hours in one episode. Weekends, you're resting, you're sleeping. I take a lot of classes. I go through a lot of counseling. I have counseling on a regular basis just to filter through everything that I'm living. And the counseling sessions that are solo is to make sure that I'm present in my growth. Yeah. I'm not growing past an experience that I'm living here. And it's also the combined couples counseling is to make sure that we stay connected. We are dealing with issues that could normally be buried or can become a seed that turns into a tree if you're not mm. paying attention. I've had a lot of physical issues that I've now overcome, but they had a lot of effects over the course of five seasons. I've had about eight surgeries. That was extremely painful and you would never know it watching the show, but I've had an incredible amount of support at work. But that, the pain had a lot of effects on me, a detachment sometimes at work that if you would ask me, I would have told you that I'm not doing it. But in counseling, I would speak of it. So counseling, and then I work out a lot in my workouts, which is three to four times a week. I'm able to get past my emotions. So I push my body to a place where I meet my emotions and meet the things that I'm so disciplined at burying now in order to do the work. So when you become a professional artist, I think there's still this structure in the way you live your life and the way that you deal with the hours the emotions that don't belong to you, but belong to the character. So right. maintaining this wholesome life and also disciplining the process of the notoriety that comes from what you're doing with the reality of who you are. So that has yeah. to maintain a sober, wholesome How do you do place. That? <laughs> you know, counseling and again, staying connected with human beings. You know, I think part of what you were explaining in the beginning where I'm connecting with you I don't think of myself as a star or a person living in fame. I think of myself as Marlene and I think of you as Courtney. And yeah. when people meet us together, they say, oh, that's Courtney of Chicago Med. And that's Marlene of Chicago Med. They don't think, oh, Courtney is a <laughs> Chicago artist. Marlene is. People don't think like that. Yeah. And especially now with the new social media age, there's this illusion of fame that has expanded in such a way. Oh, yeah. And I think what we have to do as people is stay grounded and let fame be the illusion that it is. I never really allowed it to come and confuse who I am. I have a set of values that I just stick to. And I just want to be a great human being that had a time on earth. Right. Because even from family members, right. it can get weird sometimes when you're like, at a holiday or a barbecue or something. And they just want to talk about Chicago Med. And it's just like, I just want to live my life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sure it, you get that 20 times more than me. Yes, and I, it has an effect. Fame has an effect. It's, it's an atmospheric presence that has an effect on your life where it speaks of a, an attainable that other people have not necessarily experienced. So they have this illusion about it. 
how it makes you feel, how the financial blessings are affecting your pressures of paying bills or your accessibility to other people. You know, everybody has this desire of knowing and being known. And they feel like because fame has this look or this impression that you're known by more, that you're living a better life. But it's all an illusion. Right. Because um, how many stars take their lives? Yeah take their lives and are living the most loneliest life. And they're known by too many people. I don't know if you've watched The Last Dance by yes. Michael Jordan. Oh my God, and I, yes. And there's an episode, I think it's episode seven or eight, where he talks about the Michael Jordan life. And he's there in his hotel room. And I think it's the episode where it's Scottie Pippen himself and there's Dennis Rodman. Dennis Rodman says, basketball is easy. It's everything else that you guys are trying to pull from me. And mm -hmm. the Michael Jordan says, I'm in my hotel room. And this is my life because I actually cannot go out there. Right. And when he goes out there, his notoriety has become so big that people are physically pulling from him, meaning while he's walking. Touching physically, him. Yes. Yeah. And then emotionally, they're demanding, I want some mic time. I want some mic time. Whoever worked for Mike right. wanted some mic time. So emotionally, he had less for himself. And then he had to develop sure. financially and he becomes so famous that even his pains are being used against him. Yeah, You know, when his father died, people are talking about, is it because Michael was gambling that right. uh, his dad got, you know, into this situation with these other men that killed him. And Michael said, that is the most unfair thing ever. Yes, I gamble. He's grieving. I have money to gamble yeah. to play golf. And who doesn't gamble? I have my addiction. It's called Uno. Most people don't know that. <laughs> I love I just, Uno. We have to play together. We have to play Uno together. Yes. I play Speed Uno and oh. Speed Uno. So I have about 10 decks in one deck. No. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 10 decks. There's all these other rules and it's the most pressure-filled experience. And when I declare in the house, hey, who wants to come over for dinner? And people say, yeah, I'll, I'll come, I'll come, I'll come. And I said, we're playing Speed Uno. You hear the, oh. Wait, are you, because when Scott plays games, he's super competitive. He gets like really mean sometimes. If I'm super competitive and mean when I play Uno? Yeah. I think it's putting labels on people. <laughs> I think um, <laughs> if you say super competitive, I say focused. Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, if you say, I don't like to lose, I would say, I love to win. <laughs> um, if you say, I am tough to play with, I would say, rise in your game. You uh -huh. know, uh -huh. rise in your game. That's all I got to say. But I always start Uno by saying this, dominion. So it could be intense. I mean, it could be quantified as intense. I'm going to have to start practicing. What do you want me to say? Everybody should have a glass of wine before we start the game. Yeah. Chill out. I have a niece and nephew and yeah. I play with them. I'm like, you 10, I'm throwing you down. You're going down. And he's like, I'm taking you down, Nenen. Because that's what they call me. They call me Nenen. Oh. And I'm, like, I'm taking you down, Nenen. I said, well, bring it. Bring it. 10 years old or not, we're going down. Let's oh take God. it. And then my niece comes over and she goes, I'm in. And I'm like, come over here. Just drop the cards too. Let's dance. And they're like, let's dance then. And, and everybody's so intense. Everybody's so intense. It's beautiful. That sounds fun. It is. We have to play. Yes, please. Marlene, where can people find you if they want to take your class? Or I think you have a new podcast coming out. Where can they listen to that? I do. My husband and I have a relationship podcast that is launching November 11th. 
and it's called pancakes for dinner because that's what we like to have. We like to make pancakes at dinner time and you can find us at P four, the number four D podcast on social media. And you can find details there about when we're airing and where you can find us pretty much on all the platforms where you can find podcasts. And my personal Instagram and Twitter is at Barrett, B-A-R-R-E-T-T-M-A-R-L-Y-N-E, Marlene. Yeah, it's going to be a fun podcast to listen to. Looking forward to just party with people, talk relationship, talk all the various things that make a dinner table a special place to sit. I love that. Thank you so much for your time. Are you promising me to come on my show? If you're inviting me, yes. Oh, Felicia, (laughs) you and Scott. Yes, please. That would okay, be so much then. fun. We love you and Gavin. And I also would like a promise from you that we'll play Uno. Okay. On that day, Uno it is. Thank you, Marlene. I hope to see you on set soon when my ankle heals. Thank you so much, Courtney. You take care of that ankle. <laughs> Thanks. Bye. You can catch Marlene Barrett on NBC Chicago Med on Wednesdays, 8, 7 central. If you have questions or want to leave me a voice message or support this podcast directly, go to anchor.fm slash Courtney Rue. And don't forget to head to CourtneyRue.com to sign up for VIP updates and get a free gift from me. Thank you so much to my guest, Marlene Barrett. Special kudos to my team of editors and helpers listed in the show notes, my friends for your constant advice on the show, and most importantly, thank you to you for listening, for subscribing, for leaving a review. I hope you learned something, I hope you were inspired, and I hope you feel better than you did before you were listening. Talk to you next week. Be your best you.